Baker and Brown's NBA Basketball Podcast is back on this lovely Monday night. And I'm joined by the original, Kyle Baker. Kyle, welcome here. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Uh, it's, been, it's been a minute since I've been on Bakers and Browns, so uh, I thought I'd come back. The podcast still has my namesake, at least for now, so uh, it's exciting to be back on the show, though. I'm excited to hang out. Yeah, the the football season is done, so obviously we have you back a little bit, but you, you've you been watching a lot of golf. Yeah, so... Golf well, and, yeah, like and hockey. For, yeah, I think hockey, golf. Football season is, you know, like a kind of a 20-week run there. So by the time you get to the end of, you know, really 17 weeks of the regular season, three weeks of playoffs, four weeks of playoffs, but three weeks before the Super Bowl, you're pretty you're pretty tired of it. And then, yeah, I've kind of just rolled it right into the golf season. A lot of golf. Um, it's niche, but I enjoy it. And then, yeah, watching a lot of hockey, trying to keep up a little bit with the NBA, but right. only so many hours in a day. Well, we just... We just finished watching a couple games. We did. I watched right, some NBA. Yeah, right before we were recording this, Kyle and I were, we were tuned into the Bucks and uh, Heat going on tonight, and then we tuned into a weird game, but a, a good game nonetheless. The Knicks and Rockets, where the Knicks actually took a victory on at home, and uh, and it it goes it goes well with what we're talking about because I'm I'm fired up right now, Kyle. I'm I'm fired up about Robert Covington. Oh, okay. So let's get right into it uh, as we usually do. So. Robert Covington, let's just talk about this game we just watched. 20 points, 13 rebounds, 18 of those points were threes, shot 7 for 14 from the field. So you do the math, 500% from the field, 18 of those 20 points were threes. Nice little, I think, offensive rebound layup to get the other two, but just he's shooting a ton of threes, and he's I think he's fitting in perfectly with his, with their system. He's an unbelievable pickup for the Rockets. I mean... In when I was chatting with Sam and, and Paul about the trade deadline, and you know, we we're kind of alluding that Capella was going to go. I'd, you know, if you get Robert Covington, I think Paul said this that's a huge win for, for the Rockets and especially what they're trying to do. He's the epitome of a small ball defensive coordinator, if you will. Um, I've always admired his ability to help on the defensive end, and you know, I've said it before, but I think he's one of the best help defenders in the league, and he's just been. You know, been stealing the ball, blocking. He had a block late in that game that we just watched. They played the Jazz early on uh, after the trade. He blocked Rudy Gobert three times, which is no easy task. Um, and I think they have an unbelievable defensive, you know, aura. And, and I think they have a really good defensive rating with him on the floor. I don't know the exact number, but the combo of him and Tucker, I think, could really surprise uh, surprise people in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it was a nice little trade for them. It was a, you know, 14, 12 player, I think, 11 or 12 yeah, players it, in that trade. It um, seemed like there was always a player being added after it was reported, you know. You had, yeah, and jo- yeah, Jordan Bell's getting thrown around. Like yeah, a, he got waved today. I know. I yeah. just saw that and remembering he was in that trade. He's being tossed around like a hot potato right now. But yeah, to get, Co- to get Covington back in the trade fits, makes them a little smaller. You know, kind of he's kind of fitting in right now as kind of their starting four. Uh, and they're just playing, playing true small, true small ball basketball. And I think you look at this roster; it feels like a lot of these pieces that are here right now are like, like just kind of exactly the type of player that would get Daryl Morey fired up in his office. Like you know, Covington. You mentioned Damari Carroll, PJ Tucker still on this team. Um, Jeff Green on the ten day. Yeah, I think Ben McLemore still on the roster as well, which just screams like the kind of player that Morey would believe in. So. Um, 
it's kind of interesting when you look at this this team. It feels like he's just kind of collected all of his favorite kind of players. Um, but I think they got a chance to do some damage. Yeah, each a lot of the the guys that you just mentioned have been a really good three and D player at some point in their career. Exactly. You know, you got you look at this bench as well. You have Tabo Cephalosha on there. Um, you know, a bunch of guys that you know had their heyday at at, at one point and had a lot of big moments. But yeah, it's it's a really interesting fit. Uh, and a, a really new, a new uh, kind of playing. Well, not new, I should say. I mean, Dan Dan Tony tried to do this with the Suns back in the day. Um, you know, with Nash, Nash and Amari. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a really cool combination. I really like Covington. I mean, and you know, I don't think this is new for him. He was playing the four with the Wolves, right? So obviously, Towns was at the five there. Covington was at the four. Did a really good job. Uh, yeah, unbelievable help defender. Always gets his hands in the lane. Uh, we saw, you know, R.J. Barrett there who had a career high night. But he, you know, went in the lane. Covington's there. His hand's on the ball. Strips it, pokes it away. Gets a j- jump ball. And it's just a, it's just a really good uh, defensive presence. And then he's hitting his threes, which is all really what you need to do in Houston these days uh, on offense at least. So, yeah, really, really good. Any other thoughts on Covington? Yeah, no, I think it's just, you know, just to sum up, he's always been a player that I think has been, you know, a little bit of kind of the kind of guy that the modern NBA fan really likes. You know, a great wing who plays defensively. And, you know, it's amazing in a in a league where all we seem to talk about is how there's such a shortage of great wing players. It seems like Houston has a way of finding two or three of them at the same time. Um, so, like I said, I really like their roster. I think he can be a huge piece of it. And I think the game, like you, you described, uh, the way that he played tonight uh, with his with his line, that's his line. That's exactly what they're looking they're looking for him for the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it, funny enough, he was an undrafted player that you know back Robert Covington. Yeah, of, yeah, with uh, the uh, the names Sam Hinkie kind of experiment. Yes. Of Philly as like this incredible tank team. Yeah. And well, he actually, he was, he joined the Rockets for a 2013 summer league. Mm. Interesting enough. Uh, and so he was, he was on that, on uh, that team and he averaged, you know, 23 in the D league, not the G league before. Uh, but it's funny how that's, you know, he's now back with the Rockets and, you know, yeah. I, I imagine maybe he'll have one more stint with another team and then. Might be out of the league. Yeah, well, that's the way it goes. <laughs> that's, yeah, that is the way it goes. League. He's 29, right? So yeah. it's not like he's in his prime or anything like that. There was a concern with people, too, that, you know, he wasn't hitting the three ball like he was. He he kind of went absent in the, the latter half of his Philadelphia career from shooting the ball. And then in Minnesota, it wasn't really there. But I think I said in a previous pod, I think a lot of that has to do with Minnesota's offense just lacking and not Robert Covington as a as a player and I think with the spacing that Houston has now with Harden and Westbrook he's just in a prime position and all his looks tonight were you know some of them were, were contested but a lot of them were you know sw- swung to him or skipped past and he, yeah, well, he's going to knock it down and good ball movement makes good three-point shooters great three-point shooters right and I think a thing for Covington too is he comes into this offense you know tonight you know tonight he tonight he had 11 attempts from three right Right, you know, in Minnesota, how many nights is he getting the chance to shoot 11 threes? Yeah, or even quality threes, right? Well, for like sure. Quality attempts. You know, quality for him attempts. to be able to, you know, to pull, to let it fly 11 times in a game, the shooting is going to get better and better as it goes. You're going to get into a rhythm, and I think it's a perfect fit for him. And, you know, I think that's why these guys seem to have so much success here in Houston is because their play style really plays to their strengths. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, speaking of rhythm, Luka Doncic, mm. another player we got to talk about. Um, I think arguably, looking at the stats and looking at just the incredible season that he's had, one of the you know quickest uh, careers to start him mm-hmm. ever. You know, just being one of the fastest like emerging stars at such a young age. He's twenty. You're just turned twenty one. Yep, turned twenty one uh, two days ago. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the stat line will always pop. He's you know, handful of triple doubles a season, if not a double double. Well, but yeah, there's there's just so much to admire and there's so much to pick apart from his game. Uh, for me, what I what I love about him is his body control uh, when he when he has the basketball. Just an unbelievable stop and go. Gets really low. Able to put put the brakes on defenders. Not just on his step backs because I feel like that's kind of what you see on all the highlight pages and whatnot. Is Luca hitting an incredible step back? Uh, the less glamorous things that I think he does is his layups his driving ability he's not gonna beat you with quickness all the time Mm -hmm. but his ability to he does this thing where he'll you know he'll drive his heads down he'll take his first step kind of gather give a head fake and then his second step he's almost pushing away from the basket and that allows him to get separation with the defenders especially if it's on a switch and he's kind of going away from the target contrary to his first step towards the target and he just has a great second step a little bit of stats He's shooting 57% on two-pointers. That's averaging and per 36. Wow. And he's doing a whopping 11.4 attempts for twos a game. So, I mean, that's a that's a crazy stat. So that's similar to like Covington's line tonight, like six for 11. That's kind of what Luca's doing night in and night out from two. And so that is those tough twos, those layups, those... He does take a few long twos, which I think you live with because it's, cause it's Luca. Um but yeah, that's kind of I don't know, just off the top of my head, and and looking at his play this season, what I what I really like about him. Yeah, I think I think when you look at a player like himself, he's yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said he's had an unbelievable rise, kind of to start him in the NBA. Very young, coming from Europe, which is always cool. It's cool to have non-American star, young stars um, like this in the game, um, especially yeah, in European. Young European stars, um, you know, 28 points a game, nine rebounds, eight assists. Um, offensively, I think he, he's among the NBA's best uh, and looks like he's going to be for a long time. And I love the way that he's kind of helped this, this Dallas team kind of turn around in a, very, in a very quick window in time. They've been able to turn, kind of turn this around. Yeah. You know, they are, you know, I, obviously it seems unlikely they'll get out of the first round. But they are headed back to the postseason, and you know, in, in the era, you know, the NBA here, where we've seen that you really can, even though you know the league is maybe lacking a little bit of parity, it has been for the last few years. You can turn your team around quite quickly in this in this era. So, I think it's I think it's really cool. Um, and yeah, he he's a confident kid. For yes. How young he is and how quick of a rise he's had. He plays with a swag. He has a swag on and off the court, and just has a lot of confidence. And it's cool to see. Uh, it's cool to see a guy come to like to to a new side of the world and feel really confident with who he is. And you know, I don't think he's you know I think he's the kind of player who's going to win an M- could win an MVP someday. Um, you know, may, is he is he dominant enough on both ends of the floor to win an MVP someday? Though I'm not sure. You look at kind of like the modern player that's winning the NBA. I guess maybe Harden, Harden, Harden kind of bucks that trend. But you know, you look at players like Giannis and stuff, and I think it'd be tough for guy like Doncic to beat people like Giannis who just have so many so much more physical gifts on both ends of the floor but 
I think he's probably going to win the most improved player this year uh, with the jump he's made from his first year to his second year. And we shall see. And I think that's a whole other topic of should we be giving that MIP award to players like this. But For sure. I, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say with his, his a couple things I want to say. Well, first, his, his rise to stardom, as you mentioned, it's not flashy. Mm-hmm. You know, if circumstances were different and Zion had been playing the way he's been playing the last, you know, five, six games and, you know, right when he comes back from injury that mm-hmm. season, it's just that type of stardom is totally different than what I find with Luca. Right. Because Luca, everyone knows he's good, but it's not like he's, you know, in your face every night with, you know, a crazy dunk or, True. you know, he's a super expressive guy with the media or anything like that. Or sorry, not expressive, but outspoken, but he's just this really, you know, kind soul. It seems, it yeah. seems, and he's, you know, having fun and making his teammates better and, and having a good time as he, as he plays. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely something that I think, and yeah, the European aspect is really cool as well. You, we don't see that a ton. Um, but this guy's had success. He's been an MVP in the league in, in Spain already, and yeah, he's just the, a polished player. The, yeah, I think the thing is too, like we've we do have some European. You know, you look at um, like him and Jokic are kind of sure. the two stars from Europe, and I guess well, I don't know if not too is, long ago Dirk. Yeah, can, true. Who's, who's now passed the torch to? I'm not. Europe. I'm not a geography expert, but like, would it would Greece be yeah. Europe? Greece would be Europe. That would count. Okay, yeah. so I guess you got three kind of yeah. European guys then but um to come over and have such instant success right has been really cool if yeah. you look at most of the europeans that have been high draft picks right like Giannis, i think the first pick outside the lottery and he took a year or two but um and then you look at like Jokic was outside the first round um to be like a very high pick mm-hmm. from europe and come over and instantly be one of the best players in the nba is pretty cool yeah when you i mean you mentioned i i'm not sure Dirk's uh draft numbers escaping me right now but even guy like Manu, who's, you know, second rounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind and, of that, that guard of players that was getting selected by the Spurs every year. Right. And uh, Giannis, you mentioned, took him a couple of years to get going and really go on the radar. Yeah, Dirk, ninth overall. Ninth, In the okay. 98 draft. So I guess he's still in the yeah. lottery. Came over right away. Sure. But, I mean, even Dirk, Dirk wasn't an overnight success. He wasn't an all-star until his fourth season. Yeah, he wasn't, yeah. He wasn't overnight. Um, and then defensively, you, you mentioned it. Yeah, but can he be the – that's a big question mark. Can he be that guy on both ends of the floor? Yeah, that's my question. And, you know, from watching film before this podcast and watching him throughout the year, he's, he's definitely a ball watcher at times. As all young players, you know, you can look at anyone in his situation. Shea, De'Aaron Fox, a bunch of these young guys, Moran too. They can get caught watching the ball on, on cuts and stuff like that. Um you know, but he he's big enough to post up smaller guards when there's smaller guards on him. So I know that he's his post defense is is good and things like that. Um, but yeah, I I just think it it comes with time, especially in a Mavs scheme where I don't think they're really super focused on defense. Mm-hmm. Carlisle's never been a you know defensive headed coach, at least from what I understand. I mean, he's always looked at having you know a quick offense and a and a really polished. Uh, offensive game um, even you look at Dirk Dirk was never known for his defensive you know fortitude but um, I think it'll it'll come and and as he develops um, so you, uh, one thing I want to talk you mentioned you mentioned that they'll probably be out the first round I think so as well why do you why do you think that is do you think that falls heavily on Doncic's shoulders or do you think that's a team thing yeah I think it's more a team thing I think you just you take a look at where they're sitting in the in the Western Conference right now sitting in the in the seventh seat and that looks Basically, maybe they can move up, 
right? Maybe you can move up. Doesn't definitely doesn't look like they're moving back, being seven and a half games up on the Grizz, who right. are in the eighth spot and are battling with the, with the Trailblazers. Um, yeah. And you the Pels too. Are yeah, I think you just there. you look at those teams you're going to have to play. You know, you're probably pl- you're playing either like Nuggets or Clippers or Rockets. You know, kind of that range. And I just don't think this team as a as a whole has the pieces to to beat one of those teams. You know, I I think maybe you know we saw it. I think it was last year when the the Nuggets and the Spurs went seven games. Right. Um, you know, maybe you see something like that, right? Where like the Nuggets were a pretty high seed, and they just you know they played a tough team that could give them a hard a battle, and they went seven. Um, but I look, you know, you mentioned the defense, the Mavs, sixteenth in the league in team defense right now. So I, I just don't see them being able to handle the the firepower of those teams up top. Yeah, they they have a. I mean, losing Dwight Powell. Mm. Like, so he's out season, for, yeah. for the season. Perzingis is a good... I mean, you know, this pod's more focusing on the players, so we'll try and stick to it. But since we're here, Perzingis is a great rim protector. I think, you know, he's arguably, when he's healthy, he's going at, at him at the rim is not, you know, a great idea. He can has some switchability as well. Finney Smith, another great defensive player. But then their guard defensive situation, I just don't think is, is great. You know, you got Hardaway Jr., Brunson, who I don't actually think is going to play anymore because of his injury. DeLon Wright's there as well. DeLon, yeah, he's, he's... He can give you a little something-something something Yeah, he's a poker. Seth but, Curry banged up right now, I think, so... Yeah, Seth... Well, he had, a, he had a career game, I think, the other night, Seth. But, again, like, it's an offensive, you know... It's an offensive team. Like, mm-hmm. all those guys, Hardaway, Seth, Luca. you think of them as offensive firepower. So, yeah, I don't know if that's sustainable in a playoff run with, with some of those teams you mentioned, but... I just wanted one more thing on, on Doncic. I think we discussed this on a previous pod, but... Or we maybe we just discussed it off air. I can't remember. Uh, thinking about Doncic, if you were redrafting the NBA today, does Doncic go number one? Yeah, I mean, he just turned twenty one. Yeah, think last week was it? Or we'll say like no contracts, anything like the NBA is just restarting. He's twenty exactly twenty one. Right? And you have the pool of players that are on rosters currently. Every player of it in the NBA right now is live in this pool. Yeah. So I don't like think I t- quickly other names that would come to mind would be players like Giannis. Yeah, LeBron. maybe Davis. Yeah, I think if well, I was rebuilding, like if we were restarting it, the NBA, I think LeBron would go pretty would go later just because yeah, of his age. I guess. I'm, I'm more thinking like Zion, another possible name. Maybe he hasn't shown enough. Embiid still out there, 26. Jokic, yeah, I don't 25. know if I pick it for. I guess right now I'm just thinking about playoffs, so I'm like, oh, I want LeBron for the playoffs. But yeah, I guess you're right. LeBron would go later. Um, yeah, I don't know if he goes first. I probably would get a more two way guy like Giannis above him or you know and beat if he's if he's healthy but i think towns would still go really high yeah uh, towns is in, like towns is interesting we'll, we'll talk about the wolves a little later on but uh towns is interesting too because no i don't really know where he's at at the moment trey young maybe not exactly a player you could build a team around but no. i think he would be in that as well i think he'd go in the top 10 yeah Jokic is another interesting yeah Jokic is kind of guy you can kind of build a team around and he's sure. only 25 just turned 25 yeah yeah no real injury scares too which no, keep yeah. Embiid down a little bit for me. No, he's a pretty uh, low impact player. So low impact, like uh, yeah, yeah, with the athleticism and stuff like that. Similar he, to Doncic, he, he, he likes to stay close to the floor. Yeah, which is in, which is interesting because yeah, yeah. maybe that's the case for you know your health, your healthier, your less prone to injury. But I don't know. Another guy, yeah, uh, Cal Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you know, like you said, this podcast kind of about focusing on players, and this is kind of a change because this is a player that's having a little bit of a tougher year when we were. Able to, we were heaping some praise on uh, Doncic. This kind of goes the other way, and I don't know if he's fully to blame. I, I feel like 
um, I feel like he's kind of been left out in in this kind of this transition of the Lakers into this from, you know, this developing team to this contender, you know, with the addition of LeBron two years ago and then Davis coming over in the summer. Uh, This team just feels so different than the team that Kuzma kind of flashed, you know, flashed as a late round pick at a late first round pick out of Utah, kind of flashed in that first season. People had, you know, beliefs that he could be one of these great kind of young, you know, three and D wings that could give you so much value and then could just get a massive contract down the road. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, he had a big, I know he had a big game a couple days ago. Yeah. uh, Kuzma did against the Warriors, but. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think LeBron wasn't playing he, that game LeBron too, was out which, that game and which absence, factors yeah. in. But yeah, like you said, later pick with a 27th pick there in the first round. And, you know, it seemed that statistically he was kind of getting better. You know, his rookie year only only started 37 games, comes in his second year, starts 68 of the 70 games that he plays in. Um, you know, opt his points. But for the biggest thing with me with Kuzma, and I think there's a lot of unwarranted criticism of him right now because, you know, the whole narrative of LeBron plays with, you know, these hodgepodge teams mm-hmm. and these misfits. Um, so I feel like there's that. And it's like, oh, Kuzma was left over from the Davis trade. So obviously there's not really a ton of value. The Lakers don't see or other teams don't see a ton of value. Uh, and then didn't get traded at the trade deadline. So... Yeah, and you look at the players they're talking about, you know, breaking some news on the podcast. The players the Lakers are talking about signing right now with um, Waiters and J.R. Smith. Smith kind yeah. of feeds into that hodgepodge of misfit guys. Yeah, LeBron. exactly. And for me, Kuzma's just a, a blinders down kind of player. So when he's on offense, he's just kind of focusing mm. on scoring for me. And when he's on defense, he's just kind of focusing on his man for me. And that's with watching some film of him. You know, he, he's a hopper on defensively, so he just, you know, closes out a little too fast. Similar to Jalen Brown, uh, who's not – are they the same draft class? They might be. Yeah, I think they are. Anyways, but they, they just he closes out really fast on guys. Um, on, on offense, he, he does, definitely has some, some flashes. He's shooting the ball. You know, he's getting up four three-point attempts per game, not hitting many of them, just just above 30% from, from the break there. But he's just one-dimensional for me. He's not, you know, a guy that's looking to get his teammates involved all the time, you know, only averaging uh, uh, barely over an assist down from two and a half last year. And sure, a lot of it's playing time and injury. You know, he's only played in 50 games this season uh, and we're at the beginning of March. But he's just a one-dimensional guy. He's He's focused on scoring when he has the ball, and he's focused on defending his man when his man has the ball. I just don't see him being, you know, a guy that can integrate into a team and, you know, integrate into a system. And and I yeah, I think obviously with LeBron and Davis, his his role is kind of vanquished as well. You know, that's why he's not, you know, playing 30, 30 plus minutes a game as he did his mm-hmm. first two years. So yeah, Kuzma one draft later, two thousand seventeen, Brown two thousand sixteen. You said twenty seventh overall. Do you want to take a guess at who the 20, in the 2016 draft, when that would be Jalen Brown's draft year, who was the 27th overall pick. And this is a player who you and all of our listeners will know well. So 2016, 20... This is the 2016 draft, 27th overall selection. Oh, man. Who is the top of that draft? Uh, well, that, would have, that was the Ben Simmons draft. Okay. So Simmons went one, Ingram two, Brown three. Right, okay. Uh... 
I I don't know. It was Pascal Siakam, the, the Toronto really? Raptors. Yeah, the sophomore from oh. New Mexico State went twenty. I was going to say overall. someone from Europe. Because I remember watching that draft, and many Raptors fans were calling for Scal Labissiere, who went 28th, and yeah. then also Deontay Davis, who was playing for Michigan State at the time. Deontay Davis? Yeah. Or, yeah, like Deontay. Da- Daytona, is it? Or no, not Daytona. Yeah, he's playing for Santa Cruz now, but he was... Yeah. Some people had him as high as the 10th overall pick. I remember in mock drafts for that draft, and then he fell out of the first round, first pick of the second round. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, uh, it was kind of a cool draft. I remember... I remember that draft well. I was gonna say Papa Giannis. Oh, he went. He went like thirteen. Yeah, he went in the lottery. I, I don't know why I was thinking a, a world class selection by. It was well. The, I think Wikipedia says it was the Phoenix Suns, but it was really yeah. Sacramento that made that pick. Yeah, I unbelievable. I, was, I don't know why I was thinking of him. I couldn't think of his name, but yeah, it's it's oh yeah. Well, and this speaking of Europeans, you know, coming over and not exactly uh, kind of. Um, Establishing impact, themselves yeah. right away, Dragon Bender comes right to mind. Oh, yeah. I believe Dragon played. Yeah, Dragon coming over from Europe. Yeah, on the to, Warriors on a, on a ten day. Yeah, that's wow. So that'll, that'll be interesting, for sure. Yeah, that's that is an interesting day. And just one more, just kind of to put a closing. Yeah, put a closing thought on the Kyle Kuzma sure uh, story. Um, well, what do you think? I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, well, I, I think I'm going to kind of same here. When oh, I, okay, it just yeah. feels like a player somebody could get more out of. Nate. Right. Like I feel like on a different team he could really have his potential unlocked. And if I was a team that's sort of rebuilding and is looking at, hmm, i got to find some wings, I think that's a, a player I would be looking at. But the problem becomes, like, I, uh, I'm i not sure how much is left on Kyle Kuzma's contract, but, you know... With well, the way- he's in his rookie extension, I believe. Yeah, with, with the way that the NBA is going, you know, you, you just have no idea which, what you'll, you know, what you'd have to pay a guy like that, sure. even, even off of a difficult year. So, yeah, he has one more season. Yeah. One more year on that on that rookie deal at three at three point five million. So that's a player I would have been looking to to make a move for at the deadline if I'm a rebuilding team. Well, I exactly. I was of the vein. I when there was the Derrick Rose to LA talks, I thought yeah it, it would have worked for D Rose and a, a pick or mm-hmm. D Rose and for Kuzma and Avery Bradley or something. And for the Pistons, who we'll, we'll get to at another time, like another episode. But just such a mess right now with Drummond and stuff. And, you know, the guy's from – Kuzma's from Flint, Michigan. And he's – I think he's mm. expressed that he'd be open to playing there. And, you know, the thing with, with Kuzma is he, you're 24. So the next two, three years are the NBA prototypical prime. Right. So if you're going to make a splash, you gotta you got to do it now. And if you're at home, maybe that helps the situation or something like that. But I thought, you know, that, that would have been the move for, for him. But, yeah, like I said, he's – He's on the Lakers. He'll he'll be there, and uh, we'll see what happens. Another guy that is who falls kind of into this, uh, you know, mixture of players that you, you think you could get more out of, and a team thought that they could get a lot more out of Terry Rozier, mm. who you know went to the the Hornets, uh, assumed the starting role for them, and has just not looked. Uh, not looked promising. I mean, when that when that uh, contract was was signed and that you know the moves were made, it was it was kind of a little scary because as a Boston fan, you saw how you know this guy shot shot you out of the playoffs uh, in, in Game Seven of twenty seventeen. There, or pardon if I'm making the year wrong, um, but just not a not really a. I mean, statistically, sure he's he's averaging his 
the most points he's had, but not what you would expect out of a guy. And really, you know, you would expect more out of a higher pick. And yeah, it's just tough. <laughs> I, I don't know well, what to say. Yeah, no, Nate, I, I couldn't agree more. The deal felt like such a big gamble when they did it. Yeah. It just, it didn't feel right in the moment. And I think every, everybody who follows the NBA was had had serious concerns when they did this deal. Uh, and it's it's really has backfired on them. I think they would they would want to have this one back. Um, you know, three year first year of a three year fifty eight million dollar contract, uh, and his value to the team has been very low compared to that. I, I was looking at his like his win shares per forty eight minutes, um, and it's his third best of his career. So two of his years as a role player in Boston were better than this one, and that's getting more minutes. Um, you know, just a game his game really hasn't taken the jump and. Sometimes when you play on a, gr- a good team like those Boston teams with a lot of great players around you, it can it can cover up a lot of sins. And I think you know, unfortunately, Terry Rozier has kind of been exposed a little bit by that. And yeah, yeah, he he started in twenty fifteen, you know, being the the sixteenth, excuse me, overall pick. And out of his four seasons up till this season, you know, with Boston, he only started a total of thirty games in those four years. Yes. So to me. You're, you give a guy a contract and say, hey, you have the keys to be our starting point guard. It's just a little bit of a, you know, you. if you're Boston, you say, yeah, you, you take that. We're not going to give you that much money. Yeah. Uh, but you're you're kind of really banking on, like, you're, you're gambling, as you said, for a guy who had, sure, he had a really great playoff run there with Boston in 17 and 18, but not really the, well, actually not even, 1819 it's more 17 that year when they took uh Cleveland to seven games. Yeah. Um just not enough uh to warrant that type of money, not enough to warrant that type of of play. You know, he's now jumped from 22 minutes a game last season to 34. Uh and just with big jump. Yeah, big jump with not enough results, uh, unfortunately. And defensively too. Like don't get me wrong, the the guy's a point guard and, you know, running the offense is kind of the job, but He's an undersized guard, and you know he's not not doing tough great. to win like that. And especially when you look at, if you look at their, you know their their depth chart right now, they're in Charlotte. Um, you know, he's playing a little bit. You know they're kind of playing with with two guards out there. Well, and um, he's been outplayed. Yeah, this season for sure, for sure. But like you look at like you know when you're you're out there using using two guards, Devonte Graham being the other one who's getting a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. Not not a big fella. No. Out of Kansas. I think he's 6'1", 6'2". No. Um, like, that's, you know, you're going to get pushed around. Who's that, Devontae? Yeah, Devontae yeah. Graham. You know, you're going to get pushed to, pushed around in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, Rozier 6'1", too, but... No, I know, but I mean, like, if you're playing those... Sure. Like, if you're out there playing those two... Oh, together, I see what you're saying. Okay. that's kind of what they're doing right now, because, remember, Malik Malik Monk is out. Well, it's a bit... On the suspension. On the suspension for uh, using some substances. Substance abuse policy has been enforced. Malik, buddy... <laughs> We're, we're rooting for you. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that's that's one thing. The the other... Th- yeah, sure, you can't play both those guards. Well, you you also... It's kind of embarrassing that you have... Well, if you're Charlotte, you're like, oh, I have to play pay this guy. 
because you don't want the narrative of, you know, like another Alan Crabb where the guy just has a huge contract and sitting on the bench not playing. No, fair. You gave the guy money. He's, yeah, gave him the chance to prove himself. Yeah, and I they think, are. And I think right now, Nate, they just don't have anybody else to play. Sure. Like this, the this, like the contracts that this team has handed out over the last couple of years are, are just treacherous. Like yeah. You look, you know, obviously Nick, you know, we were talking before we put pressed play. We were talking about Nicholas Batum, whose it, contract has just been an a disaster since the pen hit the paper. Yeah. Um, we talked about Marvin Williams, who's obviously been bought out, but it was, that one's equally as troubling. You yeah. Know, they got Miles Bridges, who's trying to establish himself as a young player in this league. But, yeah. Not I mean, a great stint for him either. No. And then you've got, you know, you've got Bismack Biombo, who's here, um, back in Charlotte, his original, where he was originally drafted. And he's playing over Zeller. Yeah. As a coach decision, from what I understand. It's at, well, it looks, you know, it looks like Cody Zeller, you know, Cody Zeller's battling Herman Gomez for minutes. Yeah, Hernan Gomez getting some run at the center, so yeah, difficult days for Cody Zeller. And it's funny that I mean we're we're veering into the team again. But yeah, it happens. It, it happens. Twenty one minutes over his last ten games there for who's that for uh, Cody Zeller? Cody Zeller, Sorry, yeah, brutal. But you look at Charlotte, and maybe they have this idea that you know, hey, we paid these guys big money, we have to play them, but. Uh, that hasn't really worked for, you know, a bunch of these other, you know, sour summer 16 contracts or other guys that have been overpaid. Like, usually you, you understand Mozgov, a, a guy I believe ended his career on the Hornets. I believe they got rid of his salary. I'm sure he's get, still getting paid by someone. Timofey. Timofey. But, you know, he's... He might have ended with the magic. You might have to fact check that for me. Yeah, I've got him actually finishing in Brooklyn. Really? Maybe his contract. That's the last team he actually played a game for. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. He was yes, on the Magic. It looks like he was technically on the Magic. Now he's playing in uh, what appears to be Russia. <laughs> what appears to be. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. B- yeah, I can't pronounce the team. Yeah, name, but I know he, he. I don't. It was either he got flipped to. Uh, that's a great headshot. Yeah. He got flipped to the Hornets at some point, okay. or, or there was some salary shift around. But yeah, the Magic as well. But you don't play those guys. Alan Crabb as well, who I believe got waived this week. You don't play those Alan guys. Crabb, yeah. Yeah, you know, they're, well, those guys are also injury prone. But anyways. Yeah, so just to update the uh, the wild world that is Timofey Mozgov's end in the NBA. Please do. It appears he was traded fr- from, yeah, he was traded from Brooklyn over to Orlando, over to Charlotte. And he was on Charlotte for one day. And he got traded to Orlando. Okay. So I knew there was some stint in Yeah. In and then they waived him. He was waived by the Magic. Yeah. Without having played a game. And now he's playing for Kimiki in the okay. Euro League. You asked me who the 26th pick was. In, in 27th, yeah. Or sorry, 27th. Can you guess the 17th pick after Rozier in the 2015 draft? So Rozier was the 17th pick in 16th. 20. He was 16th. 16th, 17th pick. 15th was Kelly Oubre. I'll give you that. This guy actually has played in the Langley Event Center. And I watched him. Oh, shoot. So he's one of the guys from Finley. He's one of the guys from Finley. Wood. Christian Wood? No. No, so it's the other guy. Hang on. Don't, don't. I didn't know Christian Wood played for Finley. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was teammates well, with Kelly. Kelly, Kelly Uber. Kelly Uber was, was also there. Yeah. So was it Kelly Uber? No, no, no. Sorry, oh. I said Kelly Uber was the fifteenth. Rosier the sixteenth. Giving you too many hints. He's from Finley College, UNLV. Oh, is he Canadian? Uh, not that I. Lavert. 
No, Lavert was uh, Michigan. Kuzma's year. Yeah, who is it? Rashad Vaughn. Ah! I can't believe I didn't get that. Who is now out of the league, I believe, after Just getting waived by... Just a normal citizen like you and I. Yeah, I think he got waived by the Magic or Brooklyn. Those Finley guys, they didn't have a lot of staying power. They no. were good there for a Oubre, little while. Oubre has been the best. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I'm excited if Derek Thornton, who's at now at Duke, comes to the league. Derek Thornton. He was a young guard that I really liked. You saw him play there? Yeah. I saw Oubre. He must have been very Dylan young. Brooks. Sorry, Dylan Brooks is ha- doing great. See, yeah. <gasps> He's Canadian and played for Oregon. Derek Thornton, He that must be... Um, he's not in the league yet. No, but like he must have been very young if he was no, on that he was team. young. Jonah Bolden, who I think the Sun signed after uh, wasn't working out in Philly, but anyways, yeah, Philly prep, bunch of bunch of interesting interesting folks there. There's another guy there too that escaping me. Looks like Derek is Derek Thornton. Yeah, okay, we're getting we're getting off topic. But we are getting I think off topic. Derek Thornton might have transferred. Oh really? Yeah. Mm. Similar for the Kendrick Nunn situation. Dis- yeah. Disciplinary. It appears that he's playing at. He might be going. He might be at Boston College now. Wow, that's a downgrade. Yeah. Well, he was at Southern Cal before that. It looks was like, he not at Duke? I he, he was. Com- he it committed appears, to Duke. Yeah. Okay, he, we're into college ball. This is an NBA podcast. It appears it was a short stint with the Blue Devils. Gotcha. So maybe we won't see him in the league. It's not looking good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've got the right guy, Finley Prep. Sorry, man. That whole Finley team's really let you down. Hey, I'm cheering for Dylan Brooks this year. Who was, when you went when you went and watched them play? Who was the player that you oh, were like? Oh, Oubre. Whoa, yeah, it was. Oubre. It was? Okay, oh, yeah. it was. It was absolutely Oubre. Unbelievable, like bounce, swag. And he played it. Did Kelly play at Duke or where did Kelly play? Kansas, Kansas. Oh, sorry. And just the lefty stroke, so good. I knew that he was you knew the best player something. on that team. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andrew Wiggins. Let's talk about him. We're gonna talk about Wiggins. So obviously. Very anticlimactic trade deadline, in my opinion. But Wiggins and Russell trade was obviously, you know, a big part of the the trade deadline this season. Obviously, the contract's a big, you know, thing that a lot of people will will point out. But you were, you were saying that it might not be as bad as people think. Yeah, I think you know, I think the contract taking it on um, makes a little bit of sense for for. Um golden state right uh so i i just i i don't i wouldn't say that the contract's not bad nate that's not the way i would put it i would say i don't think this deal is as one-sided as people thought it was right that's more my thing you know whenever people i don't know if you know nick wright so oh, yeah. fox he he likes to talk he right loves now. lebron james yeah he does he's, he's like, a big lebron james advocate yeah, big kansas city chiefs fan too had to deal with that content for a day or two <laughs> um but he was, like, just bashing the trade, said, I can't believe how, how bad this is. I can't believe they would do it. I, I just think, like, I think it made a little bit of sense for them. And I, I actually think the Warriors might be kind of dangerous quicker than we think. You know, they start to get some pieces back. I do think Draymond's – I think Draymond's starting to fade. Uh, I really do. Like, I think I think it's starting to – I think it's yeah. starting to be kind of near the end. He's His body's got a couple things going on. And you know what? I will say this too about the Warriors. Steph Curry's supposed to come back ASAP this week. Yeah, he was working out with Santa Santa, Santa Clara Cruz. this week. Santa, or, yeah. yeah, I have never seen a player with a broken hand miss this much time. So I feel like they are. He's probably being good to go for a month. I would say maybe two months. And I think obviously they're being conservative. They're dead last in the yeah. league. They're projected to win 19 games. We're not exactly trying to win games here. No, and so you know that has something to do with it, for sure. But and I, maybe Draymond's of the same same vein. So, 
So one thing I will say, just a, a little side plot here, as we as we continue to just get more and more off, um, off focus here. It happens. Um, Andrew Wiggins' nickname is Maple Jordan, so I thought I'd throw that in before you oh, get going. So <laughs> just to add to the pile. so for those of our listeners, which vast majority who aren't in Lithuania are coming from the Vancouver market. That's right. The Vancouver Canucks have a history of kind of some weird injury reporting and, you know, injuries taking longer than they are. The Canucks actually lost their longtime physician, one of their longtime physicians, to the Warriors last year. He went and joined the Warriors staff. What? Yes. And suddenly you've got this drama with Curry taking way longer than we thought to get healthy. At first it's like, ah, a couple weeks. Next, it's the whole year. Now he's going to be back in the season. So, side plot there. That, that is a very interesting side plot. Yes, the Canucks had this history of some of their like their medical staff like miss you know injuries taking a long like taking longer or suddenly they're shorter and then a bunch a couple members of their medical staff go and start working for the Warriors and now the Warriors have this situation. That is fascinating. I'm mind blown right now. Yeah. So that is that fascinating. Was all, so that was also being talked about last year because it's like. KD suddenly back in, sure, and then yeah. he obviously has a, a terrible injury. So, yeah, we could see a documentary about this in fifteen years. You could make that documentary. <laughs> I will, all I want is like fifteen to twenty percent off the top for the idea. That's all I'm okay. looking for. Sounds good. But anyways, back to Maple Jordan. Yeah. Uh, first round pick, twenty fourteen draft. The first overall selection. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah, first. Yeah, first pick, first overall, and obviously the. The contract's guaranteed money. There's nothing like an option on there or anything no, like that. So the, ma- the main thing, which I think people, like, they put their mind to ease and, the, you know, the people who just follow the highlights is, you know, Steve Kerr came out and said, yeah, it didn't really make sense for us to sign D'Angelo Russell in the first place. They didn't really want to. No. And no. In, in a perfect <laughs> world, Steph Curry and Draymond are healthy and you have this, you know, hybrid of Curry and Russell that are going to go. Maybe D'Lo plays some of his, you know, strengths that he did at UCLA playing off ball like Clay did. Maybe that was the goal. I don't know. Didn't appear that way because he was shooting a lot of ISO. But then, you know, things go south. You suddenly go from being in the finals to now you're the worst team in the league. Your star player goes down. Uh, You know, you don't have the core like defenders that you once had. And, you know, things just go south. And for them, I think the bigger success for them, no matter how Wiggins turns out, unless by some miracle he becomes a star, mm-hmm. is that they got off of D'Lo and they got rid of that situation. And that way, when they come back, Andrew Wiggins is a better player to pair with a healthy Clay Thompson and Steph Curry than, Absolutely. than D'Angelo Russell is. That's just a fact. And, you know, Wiggins is not the same type of player as Harrison Barnes, which people... Like like to compare because oh he's gonna do the Harrison True. Barnes role. Um, I think he's significantly worse of a defender than Barnes. Yeah, no doubt. He might be able to shoot the ball a little better. Yeah, I would take Harry. Harrison Barnes when he was on the Warriors. Yeah. I would take over the current iteration of really Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, but then, yeah, Barnes like when he was on the, yeah I guess the yeah. title team yeah the first title team yeah but then now Wiggins is playing good. He's he's fitting in. He's looking okay. And so it's kind of confusing because it's like, oh, you know, the guy's ha- having a few good games. He probably had his worst game uh, Sunday. Like, I don't know. Was that against the Lakers or – I'm not sure it was. But It was. 
He's he's playing okay defense. I mean, they're the worst team in the in the game, so you're not going to win a lot. Of no, and he's he's going to get. But they're one and nine in the last ten. Yeah, but I don't Adams. know. So so maybe there could be this resurgence. This could be this late story where you know he comes and settles down as a role player. I've never viewed him as a star. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even when he was projected to be the next LeBron and all these things, he was the high, probably one of the most anticipated rookies up until Zion Wiggins. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like the clear number one pick up till Zion. Well, I'm trying to was, think. I think the thing with Wiggins is to go back to that draft. Was that 2014? 2014, yeah. I think Embiid was the best player in that draft. I think all the teams knew it. It was just his injuries that was the problem. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he, he was the first pick and definitely, you know, a high-profile rookie. But, like, I, I don't know. I watched almost every Kansas game that year because they, they broadcast them all on TSN. It was really cool. And I watched almost every Kansas game because I had nothing better to do back in the day. And, like, you were just, like, watching. Like, oh, yeah, Wiggins. Like, he's cool. But, like, who's that seven-foot guy from Cameroon? Like, he's sick. So right. I think everybody kind of felt like he was the best player in the draft. But, yeah, definitely a very, very high-profile guy. Yeah, high-profile guy. And obviously had some moments in Minnesota. But for the most part, you know, it's been criticized for. He had his- that one kind of good year. Yeah. Late, like his and third or his fourth this year that led year, to this contract. Sure. And this year as a whole, even as Stanton in Minnesota, he was playing a lot better. Uh, and People have just started to dump on it because of the contract. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I think it's still like long term, it locks like the Warriors have plenty of financial issues to deal with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think this really takes away from them maybe getting, you know, another piece, which yeah. I don't think is really on the option next season unless, you know, by some miracle they work things out and this guy wants to take another pay cut or whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't be taking a pay cut now. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They they kind of have this, the the Warriors, that is, they kind of got this thing for lottery picks that used to play for um, Phoenix. <laughs> you know, just taking, a, taking a peek at the death chart here. Marquise Chris. Yeah. And uh, Dragon Bender also hanging out here. Marquise, a lot of Marquise Phoenix Suns Chris draft capital. Was the eighth pick in that uh, 2015. He was. He kind of slipped there. Yeah, not a... He's pretty terrible. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to a couple of guys that have, you know, tried to say, hey, oh, you know, Marquis Chris is playing good. Andrew Riggins is playing good. Like, it's not bad. And, and, you know, these are the guys that are kind of rattled that the Warriors are, are bad. And, you yeah. know, they, they're like, oh, shoot, this bandwagon's going downhill. But... That's for, tough if you jumped on late. Yeah, and now it's all tough. going away You from know them. what? It's, it is I tough. feel for them. But at yeah. the same time, I don't. But, but yeah, I I don't think they they have a compelling roster for next season. I mean, well, sorry, next season you have Steph Curry and, and Dre and, and Clay. Yes, yeah, Steph and Clay come back. But the rest of the guys aren't as compelling to me. Whereas before you had Livingston, Iguodala. Well, yeah, those are the kind of guys that you have on a team that's contending. But you're not going to have those guys on this kind of team, right? Yeah, you got Steph's brother-in-law making six hundred thousand. Who's what? his brother-in-law? Damian Lee. I didn't know that. Was that his cousin or brother-in-law? I'll check it out. I it's they're related. We're they're just re- talking about this. Yeah, and he they converted him for like I think six hundred guaranteed six hundred k. Oh, was it? Was he one of those like uh, G League? Yeah, he was. Well, they converted Kai Bowman as well. Who I don't know if he'll be around. Maybe, but yeah, they just don't have a compelling, compelling. Uh, you know, role players, bench guys, even some of their starters are question mark. So here's what I got. It appears he is married to Steph's sister. So it's his brother-in-law. It is his brother-in-law, yeah. He Damian Lee. Yeah. Wow. Not a nothing to write home about though for family business. Family business. So yeah, sure. You, 
you got that. And, and when you're Steph Curry, I mean, that's the same. You can do that type of thing and, and whatever. But, this guy's playing a lot of, like, playing significant minutes yeah. for them, though. So, oh, like, they are using him. They're rookies, too, since we have a theme of yeah. going off topic with a team. Pascal's good. He played four years in, in college. He's good. Oh, Eric. Eric Pascal. Yeah, okay. Jordan Sorry. Poole is Jordan not Poole. good. <laughs> Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is not good. I do not think... 20-year-old 20, 20 from Michigan for those. Keep it trying to know. What? So what was he drafted? 11th, I want to say? No. No, no. He's at the end. He's at the end. It's at the end of the first round, was it? Yep. Excuse us while we're fact-checking here. Where the heck is this guy? He was the 28th pick in the first round. Thanks. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. Out of Michigan. Right before the, yeah, right before the second second round uh, happened. Not great. I mean, you got him in the first round, but he's got a lot of ground to, to make up. But, I mean... They're going to be around Clay and Steph, and he's, you know, evolving into that. He's that type of player. Mm-hmm. He's a firing, fire first player. Anyways, Kyle, that, I think that wraps it up. I don't know what we call this episode or what we... You know what? But I feel like for both of us, we're, you know, we're reintegrating back into the NBA. And, I felt like it was actually a great show. Well, I felt like it was a great show too. Okay. Man. But I but uh, I just, like, as far as our... We so, didn't really have a... Yeah, to me, when you come to... Ba- you know, when you come to Bakers and Browns, you know, at least back in my day, you know, you come to Bakers and Browns for a little NBA, but you also, it kind of just feels like you hopped in the car with Kyle and Nate. Yeah. And you get a few tidbits of information yeah. that you don't find anywhere else. Yeah. I want that weird guy over in the, at the gym who always, you know, you know, there's always that one guy in the gym that's kind of like always kind of looking at you when, yeah. you, when you're working out. Right. When you, you know, and he looks over and sees you with your headphones in somebody listening to this podcast and you're smiling and thinks, why is that guy smiling in the gym? It's because he's hanging out with Kyle and Nate yeah. during his workout. Yeah, it's and he's listening to it. Probably not this episode. Maybe one of the from yeah the SoundCloud days. Maybe yeah. But I archives. mean, you, you get you get content like that. Like honestly, my biggest takeaway from tonight is uh, that story about the Canucks. We got to get Bailey on that. I'll have to reach out. We'll have Twitter, to. Yeah, Bailey I mean, broadcast. This will actually be a good test to see if he actually listens to the pods. If he gets this far and and listens, and then he brings it up first. But let's give it a week, and then we'll reach out. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, I think he was like one of our highest listeners ever. Really? Yeah, he on like uh, Spotify there. Spotify. Okay. Yeah. Try it. You know they track all everything. Right. They. Yeah, he was like one of the most common. Okay. Well, it was his most listened to podcast last year. That's crazy. Well, we'll we'll see if it uh, stands the test of time here. There you go. Kyle, well, thank you very much, Nate. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I was thank happy you to be for back on the show. We'll talk to you guys soon.